Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Well, hello, everybody. It is great to see you guys this morning. Um, My name is Barrett Bowden. I'm one of the pastors here at ICC. I serve on staff as our lead pastor, and I am so thankful for this sweet day to be together as a church family. Summer season is a really sweet season in the life of our city and especially in the life of our church as it gives us time to have more relational time with one another. Things seem to slow down. Um, We always get to tackle topics that we feel like are really relevant for what's going on in our city um, and our culture and get to disciple on those things. And we also have an incredible opportunity every summer to serve. And I'm so thankful for the mission team that we got to send out yesterday of nine people who are going to East Africa. Please remember them in your prayers this week as they host dental and medical clinics. There's a big group of them from our church over there serving this week, but um, it is a really sweet season to be together. We have been in a summer series uh, this summer called Love Your Neighbor. And I am actually taking a teaching break for the summer with the one exception of this morning. And so I'm really excited that Mitchell Morris, our associate pastor of discipleship, who's leading our summer series alongside of other teachers from our church family, invited me to be a part of our summer series by teaching the message today. And it's a message that comes from the depth of my heart uh, and also comes from the truth of God's word. And I'm really excited uh, to be able to go to God's word together today. If you think about our summer series title, Love Your Neighbor, right? Seems pretty simple. But oh my, how right now in our country and especially in our city, how this topic, this focus is oh so important. Um, Jesus himself speaks to us. If you remember what Jesus describes himself as the primary thing that he wants from your heart and your life. Matthew chapter 22, I believe it'll be on the screen, all right? I don't have my iPad like I did in the Roman series and I'm freaking out a little bit because in Romans I control my own slides. So I just wanna say thank you in advance to Grace Ann. Thank you for partnering with me this morning to help me with these slides. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus says, he summarizes, The simple yet deep work that God wants to do in your heart. If you can get these two things, you can get what life with God really looks like. He said in asking and answering somebody who asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is it. It's the great first commandment. This is what God wants. From the depth of who you are, love God. Let God be your everything. Let everything that oozes out of your life be from a love of God and an understanding of his love for you. And then he says, the second, it's like it. Can't have one without the other. These two go together. And then he says, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Here's what I want. It's quite simple. Jesus is looking at you in the eyes. It's a heart thing, which means it's not something you can give yourself. It's a work of God, a grace of God that he has to do in your heart. You have to choose to yield your heart to God to let him change you for these two things. One from the core of who you are, love God. It's two, it's quite simple. Let God so change your heart that from the core of who you are, you love others as you love yourself. Love your neighbor. So what we're doing this summer is quite simple. We're just unpacking what it looks like to fulfill the second commandment. I mean, if Jesus is like, this is so, so important, 
then it's actually important for us to go, wait, like, what does that mean? Like, what does it actually mean to love your neighbor? And what we've been doing, if you turn in your Bibles today, uh, Luke chapter 10, we're going to go back to the parable we've been looking at uh, because what we've been talking about is how, yes, this starts in our heart. It ultimately has got to emanate into every corner of our life. We've got to actually figure this out practically how to do it. And we've been looking at this parable, which many people in the Bible call the parable of the Good Samaritan. We've kind of renamed it the parable of the good neighbor for the purpose of this series. Luke chapter 10, starting in uh, verse 25, and we see this story, right? We've been looking at this the last two weeks. Mitchell's teaching and Tom's teaching. If you missed either week, I'd encourage you to go back and, and listen because it's so important. The foundation of this series has come right out of this parable that Jesus told. So a lawyer comes up to Jesus, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Lawyer comes up to Jesus and he's, he's going to put him to the test. In other words, he's trying to kind of wiggle around and figure out if he's actually good with God. And he's putting Jesus to the test and he's saying, hey, hey, like, what is it that I need to do to be right with you? Like, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns around and answers him, verse 26, if you look at your Bible, and he says, well, what's written in the law? And the like, how do you see it? And the guy answers back, well, verse 27, he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Isn't that what we just heard from Matthew 22? Jesus says, yeah, that's like it. And Jesus turns to the guy, verse 28, and he says to him, yeah, you're right. The challenge is not what you know, but what you do. And he turns to the guy and he's going, okay, so take what you know and do this. In other words, it's not enough just to know that I'm supposed to love the Lord your God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength. How is that actually real in your heart? And I'm asking you this morning. I mean, you know this, but do you live like that? Is God your everything all the time? And secondly, if you know you should love your neighbor as you love yourself, do you live like that? Like, show me how you live your life. Is, if we were walking around with you in a camcorder, is, is it evident in the way you live your life that you get these two simple things? So Jesus is looking at him, he's challenging, he's like, yeah, you got it right in your head, but now I'm asking about your life. Does it match up? And then the guy turns back around, desiring to justify himself, in other words, continuing to go like, hey, I'm, I'm, I wanna make sure I'm good here, and he's, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, the two main questions, all right, of this whole series, we told you this from the beginning, and I just want to summarize again and add my voice to what Mitchell and Tom have already taught. The first main question of the series is this, who is my neighbor? All right, that's what we spent the last two weeks doing. Mitchell laid the first foundation, Tom laid the second foundation. And the way, it's the same question that the lawyer was asking, right? Who is your neighbor? Because if you don't know the answer to the question, then it's just going to be this nice thing that you're supposed to live like, but you don't actually practically figure out how to live in it. Who is your neighbor? And we've tried to define it biblically in two ways. And I'm an alliterator. This just works for me. Proximity and pathways. All right? Proximity and pathways. If you can understand proximity and pathways, then you can understand who your neighbor is. The literal word neighbor comes from the word nearby. In Jesus' day when he said, love your neighbor, he's actually talking about those people who live right around you. So that's the first thing you gotta understand. Who are the, who's the person to the right, to the left, in front of you, behind you? Do you know their names? If you're in an apartment above you, below you, do you know their names? Do you know their stories? Do you have relationship with them? The literal people that live right around where God has placed you in your neighborhood or your condo or your apartment complex, those are the first people Jesus means when he goes, love those people, proximity. But the second kind of people are pathways, and this is what Tom was trying to teach last week. Because the whole parable of the Good Samaritan, he's telling the story about this guy who, who encounters a guy on the side of the road, he's, he's in this this guy's pathway, and because he's in his pathway, he sees the guy, he stops, and he helps, and he becomes a good neighbor to him. Jesus is applauding him 
for fulfilling the commandment of loving neighbor itself. This guy is in his pathway. And what Tom was teaching last week is who are the people in the path of your life? You know, the grocery store you normally shop at, do you look at them in the eyes? Do you see them for people or is it just transactional? Or do you realize God's call on you is to be relational before transactional? The people that serve you in restaurants, the people that you encounter who ask you for something on the street, who, who God puts in your pathway, the ordinary people who perhaps are at your school taking care of your kids or people in your workplace, the lady at your desk, the reception desk that you pass by going into work every morning, those are pathway people. And these are neighbors too, Martin Luther King Jr. who Gosh, he gave a sermon. Y'all go Google it later. He gave an incredible sermon on neighboring. You gotta go read it. It is just incredible. But part of the sermon, he says, he quotes, he says, the lawyer says, who is my neighbor? I don't know his name, says Jesus in essence. And then Martin Luther King says, he's anyone whom you are neighborly to. He's anyone who lies in need at life's roadside. He's neither Jew nor Gentile. He's neither Russian nor American. He's neither Negro nor white. He's a certain man, any needy man, on one of the numerous Jericho roads of life. And MLK says, so Jesus defines a neighbor not in a theological definition, but in a life situation. Who are the neighbors? Who are your proximate neighbors? And who are the neighbors of the pathways of your life? So that was the first question of the series. Everybody there so far? I'm looking at you now. Is y'all good? Who is my neighbor? What is your answer? Proximity and pathways. All right. Now the second question comes from Jesus' haunting question, and this is where the rest of the message is going to go today. Starting in verse 36. Down at the end of the parable, if you look at your Bible, Luke chapter 10, as he gets to the end of the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus looks at the guy and he goes, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? The guy comes to Jesus with a question, hey, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, in his brilliance and in his relentless pursuit of our hearts, helps us to realize that there's a more important question. It's not just who is my neighbor, but it's what kind of neighbor are you? What kind of neighbor are you? And he looks deep into our hearts and he asks us to consider what kind of heart do we have toward those who are our neighbors? Perhaps that's the most important question. And the lawyer answered, well, it's the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, you're right. You go and do likewise. So starting today, I get to kick off. Y'all, I'm so excited about this. This is my one and done, all right? Um, I'm going to be kicking off today what we are calling good neighbor values. Because from today through the rest of the summer, through the end of July, what we're going to be doing is each week you're going to be hearing from a teacher, stand up here, and basically try to help us answer this question of what kind of neighbor are you, right? We're going to try to help answer the question biblically to help to frame some values that every single one of us who are Christ followers should exhibit if we are good neighbors. So what we're gonna be doing is studying the scripture, looking to see what values are there, and then just teaching one value a week. Everybody good with that? So today, the value that I have been assigned and that I get to joyfully teach this morning is hospitality, all right? So hospitality, it is the first good neighbor value that Jesus wants for you to have with those who are proximate to you, and those who are in the pathways of your life, hospitality. And our desire today is not just to give you information, uh, but to really see your life changed. And I really, I feel so excited about this. Michelle and I have imperfectly really worked hard at this value, and we can speak to the beauty and the goodness of God's design as it relates to his teaching 
as it relates to this value to be present in our lives. It is a wonderful gift and calling of God onto each and every one of us. And I really think um, in our city where division and disconnection seems to be growing more and more, I really think that this particular value for us as Christians is to stand out like a sore thumb in our city in a good way. We can be light in darkness. We can be hope in the midst of brokenness. We can be bridge builders. We can be people who go beyond the surface to really invite people in and develop meaningful relationships that leads closer to Jesus together. I really believe this time, right here, right now, is a time that God is impressing upon our hearts. Learn something more of me and learn something more of how I've designed you to be right here where you're planted. I want you to be a hospitable neighbor. That's the goal today, is I want to convince you from the scripture that God has called you to be more hospitable like he is toward you. God is calling you to be more hospitable than you are right now. And the question is, will you move? Romans chapter 12 is the next place I want you to go in your Bible. I just couldn't get enough of Romans, y'all. I spent a year teaching it, and here I am, my one sermon of the summer, I'm going back to it. Um, y'all are a tough crowd today. I thought I'd be getting more laughs or something. I mean, I don't know. I'm just up here trying, all right? I love you. Maybe you're disappointed that I'm back, I'm not sure. Well, you laughed at that, what was that about? <laughs> just messing. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and I want to start in verse 9. We, we covered chapter 12 in the spring. We were looking at a life of overflow, a, 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 the marks of a transformed life, if you remember, and this chapter begins the transition to say, if you really know Jesus, if he's really changed you, if you really understand his love deep in your heart and you want to live in love with him, here's what your life is going to look like. And right here in the middle of this section, starting in verse 9, the scripture says this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, and here it is, this is the phrase I want us to focus on, seek to show hospitality. If you're writing notes this morning, and I hope you'll consider it, because I want to teach you something that perhaps you, you don't know um, about this phrase, this is the phrase that I want to focus in on in our short time together, seek to show hospitality. This is a direct instruction from the Lord Jesus to you. In light of his mercy toward you, one of the things that he's called you to as a good neighbor and as a Christian is to seek to show hospitality. Now this phrase, um, I wanna, this is where I, I'm gonna geek out for just a second, but it has a point, okay? It's made up of, of two Greek words, and I wanna teach you those words right now. This first phrase right here is this word diako which is in Greek, and it literally means to seek after with eagerness. Like to, to pursue something like, um, like, you, like Robbie has been talking to me for months about these Apple headphones that we just, talked, we just gave him today, all right? We go in an Apple store and he's like, oh, this is so cool, and he's like talking about them and he's interested in them and he's researching about them. That's eagerness. Many of you guys know what it looks like to, to have somebody that you're interested in, pursue them in a relationship, or to have something that you wanna buy, and you research it, and, and you, you, you think about it, and you go after it, and you save for it, and you plan for it so that you can invest in it. We know what it's like to seek things with eagerness, to pursue something, from the bottom of our hearts, to really work towards something. Think about something in your life that you've done that for recently. You've got it. This is the word in Greek. 
with the same kind of intentionality that you're really desirous to go after that thing, he's saying, go after this thing. From the bottom of your heart, go after this. Diako. Second phrase is this word, hospitality in English. In Greek, it's this word that's on your screen. Phloxenia. Okay? Phloxenia. Now, this word is a combo word in Greek. Philo and xenia. All right? I'll start with philo. Philo means friend. Okay? It's a, it's a word that describes a kind of love that is a friendly love. So you think about a philosopher, we call that. That means a friend of wisdom. Um, or you could think about love and like, uh, y'all have heard of bibliophiles, right? We use that word to talk about people who are like crazy in love with books. I think we have some bibliophiles here in the room, right? It means I'm going to be a friend of something and I'm going to be really crazy about pursuing a love relationship with them. Philo. Xenia. Interesting. In Greek, this literally means stranger or it means a foreigner or it could mean outsider. Now, this can be used both positively and negatively. Have y'all ever heard of xenophobia? This is happening in our country today. You can listen to news channels, talk about the people coming over the border, and it, there's hints of it not just being about a safety issue, there's hints of it being about, I don't like those foreigners. I don't like the outsiders. There's tribalism present in our city today in forms of racism, in forms of socioeconomic status, in forms of elitism and even education. And there's even tribalism that we can be tempted to in our own groups today such that we get so comfortable and in love with those who are just like us that we find it difficult or even fearful to engage with those who are outside of those groups that we prefer. Xenophobia, the fear of or the distaste of outsiders, that's negative. But here, it's used positively. And there's a lot of positive uses for it, like Oxenia in Greece today is a hotel. There's hotel signs all over Greece today with this phrase on it. And it basically means we are a welcoming place for the stranger. It can be used positively. Here, when you combine philo and xenia, here's what hospitality literally means. It means this. A love of strangers, of outsiders. Being a friend to those who are not like of your inside group. Another way that we could describe it when you take this phrase as a whole and you consider then how do we translate it, here's what he's saying. This is a command on your life now that you know Christ and you know his welcome of you. Here's what... Here's what the phrase means. You as a neighbor, be eager in pursuit of showing friendship and love to those who are outside of your inside group. Be eager in that. Pursue that. Let that mark your life. Uh, Rosaria Butterfield, have y'all ever read the book The Gospel Comes with a House Key? If you have not, it's another book that I would highly recommend. I'm just recommending things left and right today. Please go and nerd yourself out on all of these recommendations. Gospel Comes with a House Key is a phenomenal book. She basically describes this in her book, which is all about hospitality. She uses the phrase, radical, ordinary hospitality. And she says, essentially, what we need to be doing as Christians, what we need to see our calling as it relates to hospitality is to recover the lost art of loving inclusion. This is what it means to be hospitable. To pursue a loving inclusion of others. She goes on to say, hospitality goes beyond mere acts of kindness or social etiquette. It's about inviting strangers to become neighbors and neighbors to become family. I wonder, does your life look like this? Do you invite strangers to become neighbors? 
And do you invite your neighbors, proximate and pathway, do you invite your neighbors to become family? Seek to show hospitality. This word, um, this command goes beyond just Romans chapter 12. There's several other references I could give. Romans 12 is the only one I'm gonna teach, but I'll name a few others. Hopefully you'll write a a little list down so you can look at it later. Uh, The same exact word, Hebrews chapter 13, verses one and two, um, where in the scripture it says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality. This is phylloxenia to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. First Peter chapter four, verse nine, show hospitality to one another and do it without grumbling. Don't get frustrated about it. Open up your front door. Put some more food on your table. Let people hang out until late at night. Be a safe place in your apartment complex, in your condo, in your neighborhood. Let people know you by your hospitality. Don't complain about it. This is what it looks like to ooze of the love of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, this is one of the chief qualities and, and, and qualifications of those who are seeking to lead the church. They must, it says, be sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. And of course, leaders are to be examples of Christ's likeness to the rest of the church and the Christian community. And he's saying, if you want to have somebody among you who wants to lead, make sure that this is present, which means it needs to be a really important part of the Christian life. Same in Titus chapter 1, verse 7, an overseer as God's steward must be hospitable. This is a really important part of learning to be a good neighbor. Good neighbor, good neighbors are hospitable. And just a, a quick reflection, why do you think this is so important? First answer to that is because this is who Jesus is towards you. Don't you know Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9? Don't you know, 18 and 19? For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Here's what Jesus is saying. You were at one point the guy who was kind of on the outside. You were the stranger. You're the one who was the foreigner. You're the one who was alone and wandering, who didn't have a home to be invited into. And look, Jesus, don't you see what Jesus has done? Jesus has opened up access for you to have a family, to have a father. And now you're, you're no longer on the outside, but now you are part I love this terminology of the household of God. In other words, he's pointing your attention to the fact that Jesus has been hospitable with you. He's welcomed you into his own house. He opened up his front door and he invited you in. And he didn't invite you in just for a, oh, let's have a little you know, wine and cheese party and let's make hopnob and make small talk and then I can't wait for you to leave. We'll fake our way through it. No. He invited you in when you were a stranger to become his own family. He invited you in and you stayed on the couch. And then he created a bedroom. And he fed you not once, but every single meal. And he now has joy that you belong with the rest of those who's adopted into his family. You belong in his house. Aren't you grateful for the hospitality of Jesus? He's saying, you want to show me that you get what I've done for you? Then live like this toward other people. We are hospitable first because he is hospitable to us. But secondly, we are hospitable because this is what our world really needs. (laughs) To know the love and the blessing of Jesus This is what it looks like in our skeptical, 
post-Christian world today to be able to really showcase authentic Christianity. This is what it looks like. This is what we've got to do. I'm going to put a word on the screen called bless. We'll maybe dive into this word in other parts in the summer series. We are called to be people who bless. Genesis 12, Jesus told us that we would be a blessing to the world. There was a doctoral dissertation done recently. He did a research project called Blessers versus Converters. (laughs) Kind of interesting. Not talking about car converters. We're talking about people who are like just passionate about going right into direct evangelistic conversation. They had two teams of missionaries who were in Thailand. Both of them had similar goals, they, but they had different strategies. They were trying to win people to know Christ, but their strategies were different. The converters group went with the sole intention of converting people evangelistically, trying to save souls. The blessers group, their strategy was, we we're here to bless whoever God sends our way. The study followed them for two years, and at the end of the time, there were two key findings. Number one, first, the presence of the blessers in the community resulted in a tremendous amount of social good. It appeared that their strategy contributed to the betterment of the city, of society. People were talking about them in the neighborhood, appreciating them, and the creation of social capital. However, the converters seemed to have made little to no social impact based on their study. Number two, the second discovery was surprising. The blessers group and their strategy saw 48 people come to Christ, while the folks who only did the converter strategy, in other words, they just went after evangelistic conversations without inviting people in, they only saw one. That's almost 50 times as many conversions by just choosing the strategy of opening up homes and dinner tables and lives to love people where they are over a longer period of time through that love and welcome, more and more people found it palatable to consider Christ who is the ultimate host of all who will receive his welcome in. The blessed practice is a common practice. People use it uh, around the country today. It's, It's an acronym and I'll go ahead and put up what the acronym stands for. It's a simple little acronym that just says, here's what you can do if you want to be a blessing. This is pretty simple. This is, how you, this is the practicals of hospitality. And your challenge this week, which I'm about to give you, is going to be to figure out how to do this at least one time this week with somebody in your neighborhood, proximity or pathways. I'm gonna challenge you. you need to, you're gonna have to plan and invite somebody that you haven't invited inside yet. We just want you to invite them inside at least plan a time to invite somebody inside. How do you do it? What do you do? You, you begin with prayer, okay? You can pray before they arrive. You could pray, even if you have a meal, you just pray over the meal. Listen, just ask questions. Be curious, get to know people. Eat, y'all. We live in a good eating place. Y'all agree? And it's not that hard to have crackers and cheese or to do wheat thins and chicken salad, go pick it up from Miss Cordelia's if you live on the island, you know. Uh, do some spaghetti. Guys, if you're here and you're like, oh, heavenly day, I ain't got no cooking skills at all. All right, Miss Marie Callender makes frozen meals. I lived on them for five years of my life and I know that while they may not be nutritious, they're substantive, all right? Throw in a frozen pot pie or something, just, just make it easy. Invite them to sit on your couch, sit at your table, serve them, bless them, and then share. Just share of yourself, share your story, and just see where it goes. Just see where it goes. Seek to live as a blessing. Imagine a world where our neighbors are consistently invited into our lives. Picture the impact that would have on your neighborhood, on other families, on this community that we love of Memphis, and on our own spiritual growth, inviting strangers to become neighbors, radical, ordinary hospitality. Will you come have a meal? Hey, we hadn't met before, like, how about we get together? 
I'd love to have you in. Hospitality goes beyond acts of mere kindness and social etiquette, inviting strangers to become neighbors and neighbors to become family. Now some of y'all are like, oh gosh, my house is a mess. Anybody here feel like that right now? Like you're like, if I open my front door this morning, uh-uh, they, they ain't coming to Christ, I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> They're gonna see a hot mess. Here's what I wanna say in closing, okay? And then I've got Brandon Anthony Jordan who've made a little video that they're gonna show you and then we're gonna be done. When I say hospitality, I guarantee you half of this room is thinking entertainment. And we've got to lay aside our Western ideas of entertainment for the better pursuit of biblical hospitality. Let me explain. I saw an Instagram post recently that laid some of this out. I'm just gonna lay out what I saw. Entertainment versus biblical hospitality. Here's a couple of distinctives. Number one, entertaining seeks to impress. That's not what you're doing when you're doing hospitality. Nobody's coming to see if you fold your laundry, if you put away your dishes. Nobody's coming to see, you know, if your kids' toys are everywhere, if you made your bed. Oh, they're a good decorator. Who cares? Our goal is not to impress people with our houses or our entertaining or our food. Our goal is to take care of people, y'all, in the way that Christ has taken care of us. So entertainment seeks to impress, hospitality seeks to minister. Secondly, entertainment is an event, but hospitality is not an event. It's a way of life. It's an attitude. It's you growing and becoming a welcoming person of outsiders. You growing to where you're not just always doing the same things with the same people all the time. That's tribalism. This is you growing to go, I want to get to know people that are not my normal folks. I want to get to know folks who are across the street and I, hey, do this, but I've never actually had a man across the table from me. This is not about an event, it's about you growing as a person. It's not a one-time thing to accept Barrett's challenge for the week, this is about you learning to just open your house more, to do table stuff more with people who are, you just randomly meet or you live beside. This is about you growing to become the kind of person that is moving people toward being a family. Number three, entertaining is optional. People go, well, I'm just not an entertainer. Okay, you don't have to be an entertainer. Entertainment is optional. You can do that or not, but hospitality is commanded. You have to be a welcoming person if you're gonna be a Christian. This is God's desire for you. There's, this is Jesus looking at you in the eyes going, open up your door, make more room at your table. Let people sit on your couch, get to know them, make them feel like family. This is not something you choose or not choose. No, this is something we all must choose because Christ looks at us and says, do this. Fourth, entertainment fulfills your own social needs, but hospitality meets the needs of others. A lot of times uh, entertainment ends up revolving around our own desires for social validation or personal enjoyment, but hospitality is not like that, it's selfless. It's meeting the needs of others, it's creating spaces for belonging and care. Fifth, entertainment sees people, while hospitality sees souls. In other words, entertainment is about surface level interactions or appearances, externalities, but biblical hospitality is not about that. When you welcome somebody in your room with biblical hospitality, you're looking into their heart. You're, you're, you're curious about what's going on on the inside, about who they really are and how you can really help to care for them. Next, entertainment is fun. But hear me say this, hospitality is often inconvenient. Hospitality, Rosario talks about this quite a lot, doesn't always prioritize personal comfort and convenience. It, it's challenging for us. Y'all ever been, had somebody in your house and it hits your bedtime and you're like, oh, heavenly day, are they gonna leave? You know, and you just kind of look at your spouse or your roommate and you're like, 
What do we do? <laughs> they, didn't get the, they didn't get our cue, you know? Hospitality will cost you extra money for snacks or a meal, extra time that you could have been sleeping, missing your favorite show or an opportunity just to veg out in exchange for giving a little bit more energy after a long day of work to care for somebody that you've invited over. It cost, but Christ paid that cost for us. And in love, it's worth that cost for others. Jesus said in Luke 14, when you give a dinner banquet, don't invite your friends or brothers or relatives or rich neighbors lest they turn around and do it and you get repaid. Rather, go give a feast for the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Invite people in who cannot repay. And when it costs like that, he says to you, you will be blessed. Entertainment honors self while hospitality honors Christ. A lot of times entertainment can become something where you're like, you're thinking, oh, like I just want them to think much of me. You know, I hope they like my house or I hope they like my food. And we often are thinking about ourselves incessantly and about what it means for us or our ego or our reputation. But hospitality is not focused on what people think of us. We want people to think much of Christ which means we can be honest about our weaknesses and our struggles. We can let them into our mess because it's not about us being perfect people. It's about us knowing a wonderful, forgiving, and merciful Savior. I close. I've been saying I close a lot. This is what I do when I teach. Mitchell gave me 35 minutes <laughs> and uh, blew that one through the roof. I'm sorry, not sorry. Last but not least, entertainment involves a group of people while hospitality can be just one. Entertainment, you're often thinking about having a group over. Here's what I want you to think about for your challenge this week. What if you just invite one over? Sure, it could be a group, it could be a couple, but it could also just be one. Christ left the 99 to go after the one. So when you think about inviting people in, don't neglect the opportunity to consider the one that you could go after too. I turn now to the video that we have prepared and then we'll close our service. The video today is from Brandy and Anthony Jordan. Each of these good neighbor values, um, what we're gonna do is show you a video from someone in our church family who's trying to live this stuff out. People who we think embody the value. And this week, we chose Brandy and Anthony Jordan who live here in Memphis. They've been longtime members of our church. They're on vacation this week, so we had to do the video. Um, and they're gonna just share with you a little bit about how they embody this value in their neighborhood. The longer form of this video will be available on our church podcast. They, they recorded a long interview. The video of that and the audio of that will be available after today. But for right now, this is a short little clip to give you a tease of this, but also an encouragement and an example for those who really want to live this out here in Memphis. So watch. Welcome, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today for uh, today's episode of our Good Neighbor series. So today's Good Neighbor value is that good neighbors practice hospitality. And we have with us our good friends, Brandy and Anthony Jordan. Welcome, y'all. Hey, how are you? Thanks for being here. Really glad you guys are here. So before we jump right in, why don't y'all just tell us a little bit about yourselves? Give us a little brief biography just so we can get to know you a little bit before we get into our conversation. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll start. Uh, so, uh, Anthony Jordan, I've been uh, at ICC since uh, 2014, um, and my wife, Brandy, uh, who's been at ICC since 2012, um, have just grown to um, love ICC. Um, it, it's our church home. Um, yeah. We have a kiddo. Yeah, we've, we've got a kid. <laughs> Don't forget about him. Yeah. Yeah. Can't forget yeah. about him. Uh, he's five. His name is Nate. Yeah, um, he, he's, he's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. That's great. <laughs> yes. That's great. That's so cool. I, I'd love to hear also like any just stories of how God has worked as y'all have done that. Like as you've um, had your neighbors over, gotten people together, how has God used that? Yeah. Um, so I think for me, obviously at ICC, there's a lot of medical folks. Mm -hmm. I work in a medical community. And so without getting into too many specifics about people's medical issues, um, just he's used that um, mm -hmm. in being able to help our neighbors um, 
different families whose kids are having issues. Mm. There's at least two sets of neighbors who are wow. seeing physicians that are in ICC right wow. now. And that connection was huh. made through us. Um, wow. And so I think that's been huh. really helpful. And yeah. um, and I've been able to be used in that way. But then also, um, I am a lactation consultant and a dietitian. So there's young families out there. So um, being able to be with them in a really kind of a hard time sometimes after yeah. you have a kid it's a big change yeah. um so being able to be there for them in that time as well wow. has been great yeah. so cool mm-hmm. yeah I hear almost like a um like a networking thing exactly. that you're doing as you're mm-hmm. seeing needs and and yeah. responding to them by helping people uh get help or find what they need mm-hmm. that's so cool anything else that comes to mind maybe for you no I think it also it's it's you know you build those relationships with people so it's not just um you know, you're not just hang, hanging out, having a good time. Yeah. Uh, you build friendships with yeah. some. And so, um, you know, there's, you know, you have good conversations. You talk about sports, but then sometimes it's it's family issues. It's yeah. it's other things that you're there for, not to, uh, you know, provide any, you know, judgment of them, but just to be there as kind of a sounding board um, yeah. that they just need to vent to a friend. Uh, so yeah. uh, you just build friendships. Um, yeah. And that's... That's one thing that I'm I'm happy to say is that we've we've built a community of friends uh, that wow. you know we can go and talk to each other about the worst of things or just go next door and ask someone for a cup of sugar. Uh, yeah. So it's it's really really is a good uh, yeah. group of friends that we've built out so there for cool. sure. Yeah, yeah. The men, the mental image that's coming to mind is um, I'm imagining y'all's home and y'all's backyard is like you you y'all are providing just space mm-hmm. for yeah. people but it's also space for relationships and for all the things that people bring in um, for, for y'all to meet needs and speak into things and be intentional with that space. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So I have just a couple of other questions. I'm curious to hear. So what would you say is like the key, like choice you've had to make or even a sacrifice you've had to make in order to really live hospitably? You know, y'all are seeking to live in obedience, you know, to, to our, our command mm-hmm. to, to practice hospitality. Um, what is that required of y'all to really live in that? Because I know it doesn't just happen. That's what I know. We all know that. Yeah. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. What is that required of y'all? Um, I guess like I said, no one is, is um, I guess, cl- a clean house per se. Like sure. we have a lot of... Uh, our house is lived in. I'll just put it like that. Um, we, we're, we're intentional to know that yeah. going with expectations to know that we're going we're gonna to have it lived in. We, we yeah. want to provide a, a comfortable place. Yeah. We don't want to put you know, fancy couches that we don't want people to sit sure. in or afraid to touch or you know, yeah. break things. Like We <laughs> want our house to be comfortable, welcoming yeah. uh, to, to anyone to come in uh, hmm. into at all times. So it's not going to you know, be... I don't want to say over glamorous, um, but it's just, um, you know, that's something that in the front end we kind of decided, Hey, this will be a house to be lived in. Like, you know, kids are going to run up and down, you know, we're tell families all the time, you know, treat it as it is your home. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, don't come in and think that you can't, you know, take your shoes off or it's (laughs) just, uh, we want you to come in and feel comfortable. Um, and, um, so that's definitely one thing uh, to, um, Probably another thing is time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of time, but we figured it's time well spent uh, to, to build those relationships and to yeah. have that, that space uh, yeah. for everybody to, to come together and kind of be, I guess you said, the beacon of the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, those are great. I think money. Yeah. Just being practical. I was like, thinking that when y'all were talking about those projects in yeah. the backyard. I, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so it's when, an investment. Yeah. We were trying to decide that the pool, that's a big investment, right? So yeah. we love travel. Um, mm. And so it was honestly a choice of like, mm. do we want to use our money to wow. fulfill what we want and do a bunch of travel? Or do we want to invest this back into our neighbors and friends um, wow. with something that everyone can enjoy? And, mm. and that's what we 
chose yeah. um, was the pool. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, money is a big investment. And then time, right? Yeah. Um, choosing to invest time in our neighbors and the people around us. Choosing when we pull in, not just closing the garage door and running yeah. inside. Um, yeah. But if someone's out saying hi, um, you know, being intentional about yeah. those choices. And then also with money, like I keep snacks for the kids. <laughs> like the kids love snacks, y'all. Yeah. So um, snacks, so do drinks, adults. things like that. Yeah. Yes. So do adults. adults. <laughs> yes. adults that's their backyard yeah. kitchen. Yeah. Yes, that's absolutely. what that's for. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, so I think time and money are big ones. Thank you guys so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for joining us. And we hope this is really helpful for you in just learning how to better love your neighbor. And we'll see you next time. How cool is that, huh? And Mitchell apparently likes eating microphones. So it's really cool. Um, As we close today, guys, uh, I want to encourage you. Christ has been hospitable towards you. And he calls you now to be hospitable with others. The Good Neighbor Challenge of the week is this. It's on the screen. This week, here's your challenge. We want you to invite and schedule one neighbor to share a meal with you in your home. We encourage you to lean into that invitation and opportunity to pray about who that is. Somebody that has not been in yet to just invite them in and to do a meal together. And in so doing, to love your neighbor as you love yourself and to so fulfill the commandment of Christ on your life. I want to encourage you as we sing this song today. The song lyrics, uh, it's about building our life on the love of God. And that is just a great way for us to end today. Singing the song as a prayer and saying, God, I want to build my life upon your love. And so today, think toward Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Christ yet, I just want to tell you, he loves you. He came for you. He lived for you that you might have righteousness. He died for you that you might have forgiveness. He rose from the grave for you that you might have the opportunity for new life as you repent from sin and trust in him. He lives today and he will come again to redeem all who trust in him. He is a wonderful savior and he stands with his door wide open, ready to welcome you in. And so today, if that's you, just know the welcome of Christ. But if you already know the welcome of Christ, let this song be your prayer today. Say, God, would you help me to build my life on the love that you have for me and help me to live my life in a way that shows your love to those who are around me. So let's stand as we close our service today, singing this song and... um, Let it be from the bottom of our hearts. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.